Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 41. Skill topic is completing. It's uh, a little bit different from our normal topics, but if you're making things, they all got to be completed, or do they? Not sure. Tanda, what skill class is completing? Uh, completing is a skill class seven point. What? Seven uh, point. You heard her. Oh, I, I, I guess we're not completing that. Okay, so moving right along, Tom. What research did you find on completing? Here's a here's a fun fact. <clears throat> I looked up things that famous things that were not completed, and the most interesting one was the the Last Supper in Milan. Did they did he paint more than one Last Supper scene? Uh, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's late 15th century masterpiece is technically unfinished. In the late 70s, the mural underwent extensive restoration, and in most pictures, sh in most pictures, shows a roof. But in Milan, where the painting lies, the roof is incomplete. So there's, I didn't know this. There's more than one. Wait, 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 wait. So are you trying to tell me that the Last Supper has been photoshopped? Yeah, pretty much. That doesn't seem right. Only pre-Photoshop, so it was like uh, paint paint shopped. Paint shopped, right? Totally by by someone else. I, f I feel bamboozled. I speaking of bamboozled, I went to a Da Vinci exhibit in Las Vegas and was totally bamboozled. Was he there? He wasn't even there. He didn't even show. Ugh, golly. Yeah. Ah oh, man, that's. Uh, did you get your money back? Not only that, but. There was very little of his work there, and the replicas of like some of his uh, like catapults and war machines and and things like that were made from like stained two by fours. What? It was it was silliness. They, they had they had like one manuscript in like thick glass that was like pages of a book that were actually his, but almost everything was like you know just a little placard with a write-up about it and then a picture of the picture oh jeez! and we didn't pay that much to get in but yeah bamboozled yeah that's that's, that's crazy that's that yeah i don't i don't like that but was that everything you found tom yeah that's it well there was a beatles album too but it didn't fit the mold so i wasn't going to talk about it yeah we're, we're not going to start up with the beatles again all right that was pre-show nonsense no one needs to hear about that tanda yeah, I kind of took the other direction and looked up, uh, you know, people who have who have completed things. And I found this list online of, of people who've got like tons and tons of completions. Joe Montana, you know, Kerry Collins, Fran Tarkington, Joe Flacco, Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe. I mean, it, somebody's got a whole list of these people. And uh, yeah, right up at the top, the top three are uh, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees, and they have like 7,142 completions, which is just amazing. I mean, you'd have to start a project like at least once a week for your whole life. These people are, these people are am amazing. That's, that is impressive. Who are, what's, what's the top name? Uh, Drew Brees is the top name. 
Damn. Drew, hold on a second. Drew Brees. What are they completing? Oh, Tanda? he's actually he also he's also an NFL quarterback. That's fat. How does he have time for all that? I don't know because you would think with all the practicing and uh, you know everything that was involved that you'd never finish a finish I've anything. I've never heard of any of those for guys. Maybe a maybe a game or two. But I mean, didn't you look up famous people? I didn't. I don't recognize any of those names. No, these are just, these are completion leaders. This is like a leaderboard for people who are able to complete things. So I, I don't understand. That it doesn't make any sense to me. It's very impressive. Respect the completion. Well, uh, unlike Tanda's list of un- unknown people. Uh, so I, ironically enough, I did the same thing Tom did. I looked up famous uncompleted things. I found two that were kind of interesting. The first is there is this building. It's it's a massive cathedral called La Sagrada Familia. Uh, which is in Barcelona. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's the one in, in uh, Barcelona. It started in 1882, and currently is 70 percent completed. Uh, technically, it's listed as a basilica, but uh, after 130 years of construction, they uh, they're pouring 27 million dollars a year into it. That is mostly coming from entrance fees and private donations. They estimate that it'll be finished in 2026, but they might need some extra time for decorative elements. Oh, that's where Andy comes in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, might as well send Andy Berkey over there to actually finish up all the little details. That'd be sweet. But yeah, that that was that was something. But that'll actually be completed eventually. Another one called the Marble Hill Nuclear Power Plant. Has anyone heard of this before? I mean, I know that there are a number, uh, a number of them in like weird mothball states, not not states as in states in the U.S., but like state of affairs. I had uh, my uncle worked for uh, a company that did a lot of the contracting on nuclear plants. And there were plants that were 15, 20 years that had just, you know, they would sit on some regulatory roadblock for eight years. And then they would do a little more construction, which got them to the next roadblock. So there were some that took forever. Well, Marble Hill was a plant that was started in 1977 in Indiana, and they worked on it for seven years, you know, fully intent on it becoming a functional nuclear power plant. And in 1984, after sinking $2.5 billion into it, they got to the halfway point and the company was like, "Um, you know what, we're out of money. We can't finish it, and they just stopped. And then they took some of the equipment that was there and sold it off for a couple million to sort of recover parts of you know what they had put in. But the the plant is half finished, and the company that owns it is now in the process of demolishing it. So basically, they just wasted two point five billion dollars for for nothing. Crazy. Yeah, projects that take multiple political terms become difficult. So the lesson here, kids, is if you're going to build a nuclear power plant, you better finish it. Yeah, you need to you need to start it in an, in an even year and finish it in four years. That's not true. I started one yesterday. I'm not going to finish it. Oh, you should. It would be a boon to have your own nuclear power plant. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right, so we've all got something for the dealer's corner this week. We're going to let Tanda go first because she almost never has anything. 
Why don't you hit us with what you got, Tanda? Well, I have I have two little things, or I have one uh, listener, and then I also have something I got that myself, which was not really a bargain that I hunted down. I opened up my Instagram, and there it was in front of me, and I said, I want that. And I did it first. There have been a number of things people have sold online or, you know, Blacksmith Tools has put up. And I've thought, eh, I think, I think maybe I'll get that. I'm going to think on it a little bit. And then, of course, it's always sold um, before I do. But uh, Spencer Webb, Spencer Webb NH on Instagram, put up a 6 by 8 magnetic chuck. That was the chuck he, I believe he received when he got his uh, 6 by 18 MicroMaster. Um, I don't know that if he used it on it, but it's what he got when he got his 6x18 MicroMaster or 618 MicroMaster, which is what I have. And the magnetic chuck that I got with mine is really small. It doesn't really fill the full, you know, serviceable area of the machine. So when I saw it, I, I jumped on it, DM'd him, and he sent it out and did an amazing job of packing it. It's wonderful. So it's inspired me to get the machine running. Tanda, is this magnetic chuck for a surface grinder? Is that what that's for? Yes. Yes. Okay. Just checking. Yep. It's a it's a walker chuck. I don't know. I haven't researched much to know, you know, you know, kind of where that stands as far as manufacturers, but I'm not like a serious business of doing surface grinding for folks or anything, so it's perfect for my needs. Tanda, I have a question. Yeah. I have one of these on my surface grinder that I've never even plugged in. Do they need to be surfaced? Yes. I mean, you typically surface the surface the chuck with the with the grinder. Okay, so the chuck is supposed to be a true flat surface. Yes. I mean, you could okay. you could put something on a surface grinder and it would make it flat relative to the surface grinder and then you could turn it over, I suppose. Right. But it might only be you know, they would be parallel, but not necessarily square. Right. If you, okay. So interesting. Yeah. So obviously he's kind of in that business with his uh, stones that he makes and everything. So he had already surfaced it, put tape over the newly surfaced uh, chuck, and then it was on the shelf. So it's good to go for my use. As soon as I get the machine in order, it's, it's ready to go. Nice. So that, that was a good deal. And I was happy to happen upon it because I've looked online and on eBay and, you know, just kind of tried to find one, but it's not common enough to just see them all the time. So was happy with that. And then we have a listener that uh, got a great deal. And so this comes in from Seth at SC2H5 Creations, and he had a weekend score. Uh, He even gave it a name in true podcast fashion. Uh, You know, we always try to to give our deals a good name, or at least PJ does. Uh, it's called The Package Deal at the End of the World. Wait a minute, the world is ending? Well, it could be taken two ways. Either you have to drive all the way to the end of the world, or it's just the last package deal, and now, well, it's pretty much over. Could be apocalyptic. Oh, wait, this this sounds like one of those, I think it's one of those flat earth things. He went to the edge to get it. I, I get it now. Okay, go go ahead. It's it's possible because he did go a little bit further than he anticipated. And so he may have gone all the way out right to the edge. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So it says, I have a Facebook search radius set up for 51 miles from my zip code as the crow flies. And a deal came up that ended up being 63 miles away. So not much further than I'm looking to go. 
It was a 15-inch Craftsman drill press, 24-inch Craftsman scroll saw, and a lathe, all cast iron, 40s era, and all told for $125. Wow. Yeah. Sold the lathe to a co-worker for $50, offloaded my old drill press for $35, and I still have the saw to get rid of. I was willing to pay that price for just the drill press alone. So, good deal came in from one of our listeners. Very good deal. That That is a good deal. Yeah, definitely. Tom, you want to talk about what you got? Yeah. So, uh, PJ and I went to Tony and Mackenzie's Slip and Slide Party, which is in up, up, upstate New York. Uh, that's three ups, if you were counting. And they do a tool swap there. So, everybody brings the tools that they don't want and to share, to share. Right? So I got a couple things. Um, I CMAT makes brought oscilloscopes, and I ended up with two of them. So I'm excited to get into that world a little bit. Those those are going to be really handy if you're hunting oscilla. I mean, the only way is is with a scope. Because yeah, yeah, totally. Just iron iron sights. You're never going to hit an oscilla. They're they're too small. Well, I I got two of them, so uh, hopefully it doubles my chances. Uh, and then I I waited all day to take the thing I took. I didn't. I don't know. Part of me thinks I'm just cluttering up my c- again. And part of me was like, there was some useful stuff in there. So do you remember who brought them? Was it Ben? It was not Ben. No, uh, I believe I, I could be wrong, but I think it was Eileen. It might've been Eileen. Might have. I'm not a hundred percent sure though. Uh, no, I can't remember. I'm sorry. But anyways, it was a whole crate of blue Ryobi tools and all of the tools had the name Direste. Direste, I think it was. Yes, uh, they're French. Like written on their... They're French, yeah. Direste, yes. Uh, Direste. And uh, it was more Spanish. So they were they were Jimmy's. Uh, he told me 16 years ago they were Jimmy's Ryobi tools. So I think his oldest YouTube video is like 11 years. So these are pre, pre-pre-YouTube. And... They all, uh, I don't know if they all work, actually. I didn't try them all. But I did use the angle grinder already, and the angle grinder is fantastic. I think that old angle grinder is better than my very new rigid angle grinder. It. Uh, I threw a wire wheel on it, and usually a wire wheel is like an angle grinder killer. Like, it just, it takes a lot to push a wire wheel. And it basically didn't bog down at all. Like, it just, it, it didn't have a problem. And I did a pretty large project with one battery. I got down to like the last 10% of the project and I needed to swap batteries. So I'm super excited about that. There was also a stapler in there. There was a, you know, the little circular saw thing. And I don't remember what else. I haven't even gone through it yet. So I got some good stuff there. I also brought a bunch of stuff and most of it went except for one thing. So I was happy about that. Glad people can use things. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. I too, uh, well, I had I had set something up prior to getting there. We have a group, a Facebook group for the slip and slide, and people posted things in there early. And Tony posted that he had a couple tools he was getting rid of, and as soon as I saw it, I immediately sent him a message and I said, "I want that." <laughs> so he he hung on to it for me. So of course, this is called uh, Tony's slip and slide tool trade. Tony McKenzie, but you know, we got trying to go with the T's here. So from Tony, I got, and and by the way, I only go there to take stuff that is for me. 
I don't, I'm not looking to take things that I'm going to sell because I don't think that's fair. That is for people to just, you know, to use. I'm not shopping there. I'm looking for things that I, that fill a gap in, you know, whatever I happen to have in my shop. Right. That is, that is the spirit of the tool trade. Right. So Tony had an M28 Milwaukee Portaban and a six and a half inch circular saw which I have neither of. I, I, I had I had kind of a circular saw, but it was one of those little craftsman trim saws. And if it's if you tried to saw anything that was thicker than like a quarter inch, it just stopped. Like it was it wasn't really a saw. So it's it wasn't very functional. So now I have a circular saw and a portaban with uh, he gave me an, uh, he had one working M28 battery, the M28 charger, and then I also ended up later taking an m12 m18 dual charger after the fact and the reason i took that was because uh julian from wildcard craftsman walked up with an m18 hammer drill and flashlight and so as soon as i saw that i'm like oh well i'm gonna need an m18 charger he didn't have a battery but i was like oh well i'll take that and he's like listen the hammer drill works but it's stuck on hammer drill (laughs) so so He's like, supposedly you could be fixed, but I don't want to deal with it. I'm like, ah, I'll take it apart. Don't worry about it. So I got that. So I loaded up on Milwaukee stuff, which if you guys haven't listened close enough, I'm I'm shifting towards Milwaukee. Like there's there's things that are that are happening. And uh, next week I'll talk. And about- Mil- Milwaukee is is west of you, right? Northwest of you. Yes. So you're kind of shifting northwest. I I lean to the left a little bit when I walk. So, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Mackenzie apparently had a business several years ago selling these all-cotton satchels, like these shoulder bags. And she brought out two military crates, like wooden military crates, full of brand new bags. Like probably like, what, about 60 bags, Tom? Yeah, a lot. There was, there was, there was a lot. I managed to find the only blue one in there, which was still brand new wrapped in the plastic, I found a brown one and a gray one. And so one is for me, the other two will be gifts. Actually, one's one's a gift for my lady. I already sent her a picture, she loves it. And the other one will probably be like a Christmas gift for somebody. Uh, then we had, so Eileen, one of my buddies in, named Eileen, who beat me at the staple gun challenge. I have the staple gun shootout, my second annual staple gun shootout at the slip and slide. She beat me with a vintage arrow stapler, which felt sacrilegious. But uh, she won fair and square, so she holds the title for a year. But Eileen was literally walking up to me with a vintage Craftsman drill, a vintage Black & Decker drill, and a vintage Craftsman circular saw. And she's like, I was told to give these to you. And I said, oh, honey, put those out for someone that needs them. I said, if you give them to me, I'm just going to sell them. And I said, that's not what this is for. And she goes, are you sure? And I'm like, look, if no one takes them, I, I will take them. Because the rule is, if no one takes your stuff, you have to take it back home. You can't leave it with Tony because he doesn't want a bunch of junk. So it got to like the end of the night. It was getting dark out and no one had taken them. Half the people had left. So I'm like, all right, I'll take them just so she doesn't have to take them home. But those those will be sold to like a Don Pedro type character. So I got that. And then the same thing happened sort of with Ben, our guest from last week. Ben makes Casey made it out to slip and slide. He had a bunch of things, but amongst that, he had two distant hand saws and a draw knife. 
the draw knife is for me. I I'm I have a small draw knife collection, but the two distant hand saws. Um, I don't know. I have like a pile of distants now. I haven't done anything with them, but I'm not I'm not keeping them. So again, he was gonna have to take them home. So I grabbed them so he didn't have to because his wife was like giving him the side eye, like, why did you bring all this stuff? And uh, <laughs> so I was trying to help him out. Now the next things, Seth, our other our donor that Tanda read out, Seth from uh, SC2H5 Creations, brought me a blue plastic barrel. I want to say it's like maybe a 30-gallon barrel. It had one of those tops that had like a cantilever lid, like a metal ring to close it off. And I think these next things also came from him, but I'm a little blurry. I picked up two digital thermometers. Uh, one is the kind that hangs on the wall and gives you like the humidity. And then the other one had a wire lead that I guess you could put it on something or in liquid or whatever, and it would measure the temperature on contact. And then I, I don't know if this came from him or not, but somebody had brought a tracking token. One of those things that you can like put on a dog or a small child and you can track it with your phone in case you lose it, you know, like, a, like for your keys or whatever. So I don't, I don't know any of those. It was a nice pink color, but I'm like, whatever, you know, I'll just paint it. So I got one of that. It was brand new in the box. And then um, Matt from CMAT Make brought me, this is the only thing I paid for, three Craftsman Brad Nailers in a bag and a Craftsman half-inch drill, uh, which I paid 35 bucks for, which was really, really a good price. He had some kind of garage sale thing happening at his house like a week or two ago. And he's like, do you want any of these things? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take that stuff. And then we get to Tom, my buddy Tom. Tom brought me things, lots of things. And then I ended up going to Tom's house to get more things because he forgot some things. And then there was other things that he didn't know. Just, just so everybody knows, uh, I, I didn't invite him to my house. He simply followed me home from Tony's. Um, but go ahead with your story. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt. Yes, that all those things are true. So Tom is firmly intent on getting me on the Ryobi bandwagon, so much so that he gave me two three-amp-hour Ryobi batteries and two Ryobi chargers. I only needed one charger, but he's like, no, no, take two. One's a quick charge and one's not. So he tried to give me three, but I'm like, no, two is my limit. I'm not taking three chargers. Now, does the, does the bandwagon take two batteries at a time or does it just go through batteries quickly? Ryobi is actually a raging locomotive. Uh, bandwagons are crappy things for like Milwaukee and DeWalt and those guys. Just to just to clear that up. Oh, okay. So the locomotive is will outrun the bandwagon. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Okay. So depending on the application, you may want a locomotive. You may want a bandwagon. No, you always want a locomotive. You always want. Okay, I think I've got it straight. Thanks. Yes. Good. So since Tom gave me the batteries and I have zero Ryobi tools that, that it would actually fit. I said, was there, I thought I saw a vacuum, like one of those dust busters in that bin of all the Duresta Ryobi tools. So we went and we looked and there was one in there. So Tom gave me that and we actually came up with, uh, I'll, I'll spoil the surprise here for everybody that's listening. I'm going to do a YouTube video I haven't done a YouTube video in I think probably a year and a half, maybe maybe close to two years. But uh, I, I plugged in the battery and turned it on and it hit me in the face with like this gust of air. 
And then Tom's like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I got hit in the face with like Duresta dust or something. <laughs> so I'm going to do a, a spoof video that is a restoration of Jimmy's little vacuum. And I'm going to carefully scoop out all of the Duresta dust and I'm going to put it in a glass vial and sell it on eBay. <laughs> and... Uh, Tom is going to send me a little video to make it look like I stole the the vacuum from him. Like he's going to be looking for it. Like he can't figure out where it went. Uh, I already contacted Eric from Hantel Rescue uh, to ask him if he would send a video. He's going to help me out with the best way to restore a vintage Duresta tool. And I reached out to Jimmy, but I haven't heard back from him. I'm going to see if he can send me like a little video clip to also include um, in in the the YouTube video. But he's if he can't, I know he's busy, but I just thought I'd I'd ask him just in case. So so anyway, that will be a video. That'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, Tom generously gifted me the Unisaw egg for the motor cover for my Unisaw, uh, along with the Unisaw fence, uh, some short rails, the miter gauge, those custom steel throat plates with the acrylic inserts from the machinist that made or the toolmaker that made them. The acrylic door with a dust port, collection port, that goes over uh, the vented door. Uh, there was a bunch of other Unisaw things, some of which I don't know what they're for, but it was nice to have them. But anyway, there was there was a, a small cachet of Unisaw parts. He gave, <laughs> when I was walking out of his garage, he's like, hey, you want this? And he gave me a small sledgehammer head. I don't know, it was like maybe like a two, three pound. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll take that. There was a four-inch Litco swivel vise, which had a, a bite taken out of the anvil. It looked like somebody got hungry. So I'm like, oh, I'll practice my brazing skills. So I grabbed that. And then the big thing was, Tom's talked about it before. On his many travels, he picked up this Atlas benchtop drill press, which has the uh, the locking mechanism for the table was brazed on at one point because it had been broken and then at some point it broke again. And Tom's like, I'm not fiddling with this. You take it. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So that's another. For, for the record, I i don't believe I've ever said the word fiddling before, except for right now. Fiddling, but fiddling, but that's accurate. Fiddling. Okay, so we now have proof that Tom does say fiddle. Just, uh, just saying. Son of a. Fiddling. And that was. Now you've captured that. So you can just edit, edit Tom's, you know, saying fiddling in wherever you want in the podcast from now on. I'm wondering if every time Tom curses, I should just insert fiddling. Fiddling, yeah. <laughs> you mean every time I don't curse and you just bleep it anyway? I mean, maybe I'll bleep it and put fiddling in at the same time. Like it'll go beep fiddling. <laughs> I don't know. I said, something like that. But that was it. That was uh, that was the, the deal. I didn't... Uh, it was a busy week, busy week, and um, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Yeah, sounds like it sounds like a good time, and I think it would be I would miss out because I would obviously fly because it's I don't know that would be like a twenty eight hour drive or something like that for me. But if you couldn't like bring stuff back or take stuff, um, it would have to be a bunch of little stuff that I could take on a plane and bring back on a plane. Could always ship it or sit next to a drill press. But maybe, maybe someday. I'm I'm shooting for October. Tanda, I'll tell you a little trick that I used to do when I would go to Cannes because you go you go to France, you always get more stuff than what you came with. Uh, sometimes what I would do I, is, I, you know, doctors can get rid of that now. I think we're talking about two different things. I'm talking oh. about going to France. Okay. 
I would buy things and I didn't have room in the suitcase. So then I would just buy another suitcase and fill the suitcase up with stuff and then just bring it on the airplane as another piece of luggage. And that way you don't have to ship it. It's cheaper to bring it on a plane than it is to ship it. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've done that with uh, machine parts before. Actually had a folded up suitcase in my suitcase on the way out and two on the way back. So that works. Caseception. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. All right. It's time for personal history. Tom, what's your personal history with completing? Um, I, I think, I think, I mean, everybody has projects that they don't finish. I've come to terms with that, though. And I will throw things out when, when it's, when it's time. There's just, not every project should be completed. That's just my opinion. Sometimes projects start, you kind of get into them. Maybe it works for a minute. And then it just, it's not worth finishing. So, don't beat yourself up over over an unfinished project. It's kind of like books. Like, if you read a chapter of a book and it sucks, don't finish the book. Like, I feel like that's an important lesson to learn in life. Like, there's another book you could read. So read that book. Sage words, Tom. Sage words. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would totally, totally agree with that. And I've done that before. I mean, I've read well into a book that just had had no value and then at some point i was like no one's i don't have to do a book report on this uh, no one's no one's holding a gun to my head and saying you know tell you know tell me what happened between the middle and the last chapter so right yeah i actually did that with a book that was written by a friend uh, a guy that i worked with that i did some film work with wrote several books and his first book was great because it was like a story like it was a novel. Mm-hmm. But then the second book that he gave me was like a book more about his life, like things that had happened to him because he's led a really crazy life. The problem is he's kind of an <laughs> There's There's a lot of bad things that happen in the story. And I'm just like, I don't want to know any more of this stuff. It's it's like it just it just got really bad. I'm like I, I, it's still half finished, and I feel bad. I do feel bad. Tanda, what what is your personal history with completing? I think that it for me, I think there was a point when I recognized for personal projects, for things that I'm just uh, working on for myself, that I recognized that the project was learning how to do something for some future time when I need to do it on a paid project or on someone else's project. And so much like Tom, I, I, I didn't worry about whether that project got complete because what I was doing was learning some skill or some process. And at the point where I became really comfortable with that process, if there was something left to do to finish the project, it, it didn't matter. I was learning, you know, I was learning how to vacuum form. Or I was learning how to to do this particular thing, and so I picked some project that that required. And I'm just throwing this out as an it is example. You know, say you're wanting to learn how to do vacuum forming, and so you decide, oh, some cool prop would be a really neat thing to vacuum form, and you get down the vacuum forming of it, but you never paint it, or you end up using it as a prop. Well, 
the task was learning vacuum forming. And so sometimes you fall into the, oh, I should finish that, that prop, but I just don't have the motivation for it. And for me, the reason I don't have the motivation for it is because it just happened to be the project that lent itself to vacuum forming. I didn't set out to make a prop. I set out to learn vacuum forming. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing that for me, a lot of times when I have the process down and someone comes to me and says, can you use vacuum forming to do this? And I can answer, yes, I can. I, you know, I've hit those roadblocks. I figured out how to do it. I found the little nuances of my machine. Then, then that's complete. And whether I finished the project that I used to learn that, you know, all the other processes after it doesn't matter. I used to worry about the things sitting around that weren't done and just that exact same sort of project. After I had learned the skill set, the project was no longer of value to me. Totally. That was that was a good recognition of, of my own take on, on what a project's value is. Yeah, I have, uh, this is somewhat similar, but I have a problem completing things once I get to the proof of concept phase. Right. Once it's a thing that does a thing, I have... Like, I just don't want to rewire everything in a tidier package or paint it or any. I just like it's a thing done. And I just the motivation to finish is just not there. Right. Because you set out to see if you could make this thing, not to see if right. see if you could make a better, perfect, cleaner version of this thing. Your goal was. Right. I wonder if I could make one of those and make it work. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm in it for. PJ. What's your history of completing? So for some reason, I'm thinking about all of the expectations that were put on me growing up and what things I actually completed from that. But what I mean is I was raised to you graduate high school, you go to college, you graduate college, you go get married, you buy a house, you have kids. And these are the things you, you got to check all these things off the list. Right? Well, I went to college for three full years. The beginning of my fourth year, I'm like, you know what? I don't like it. Uh, don't I'm not really learning anything. I'm wasting my money. I don't feel like finishing. So I just stopped because it was not serving me. And to this day, the only thing that I really got out of college was I, I joined a fraternity and I lived in a fraternity house and I learned things from my brothers. I, I can say I learned more from them than I did from the school. I, there, I, I learned very, very little from the school. Then we get to the marriage. So I got married to a person that was not well suitable for me. Uh, we tried to have kids. The kids did not happen, so that wasn't completed. Uh, then the marriage failed. So again, uncompleted. And then I after the divorce, ended up buying my first house. And I left where the house was to go to film school. And right when I left that, the plan was to sell the house, but that was when the housing market dropped out in 2007. So there was no completed sale because no one was buying anything. Uh, And I ended up renting the house out for several years, but the property manager was stealing money from me. And then right after that, the mortgage company, who the, the mortgage companies were still not being held accountable, they said that they were they had me in some kind of program 
that they were going to, like I had to make payments in a certain manner for them to keep the loan. And I did that. And then at the end of like two years or so, they're like, you know what? Uh, we're not going to hold your loan anymore. So basically I had to sell the house or pay it off in full. And I couldn't sell the house because the market was still bad. So then I had to let the mm -hmm. house foreclose. So the, again, we're uncompleted. Right. So it was like number of uncompleted things. And when you hit all these major, uh, so, so I, I had foreclosure on my credit. When you have all these things that are like considered massive failures, right? Like all these things you're supposed to do and you don't do them. It's incredibly freeing. Like all of a sudden you're no longer, you, there's there's zero fear. Like you've done all the things you weren't supposed to do, you know? Right. Like if you didn't fail at any of those things, you're still under that contract. You're still under all that pressure to make those things work. And I, I just did all of them in like basically, I don't know what the time period was, maybe like 10 years. <laughs> Got those out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I got all of them out of the yeah. way, and like, like, okay. So, the, the the biggest one, credit. Okay, like when you have a foreclosure on your credit, that's like the worst thing ever. That's one of the worst things. That's almost as bad as a bankruptcy. I think maybe worse than a bankruptcy. So then it took me a couple weeks before uh, because I was in New York at that point when the house foreclosed. Uh, but that was actually, believe it or not, that was my second foreclosure because prior to that I had bought an investment property that I was trying to do like some house flipping and the people that I put in the house uh, basically screwed me into the ground and I tried to take them to court and then it just totally it, 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 it died like the whole thing died so I already had one foreclosure so now I have two foreclosures and so basically I found that I'm bad at real estate this is basically it I'm bad at real estate so uh, it's good, good to, like I said, it's good to know your strengths and your weaknesses. So I don't, I don't do any kind of investing like that anymore. But the point I'm making is there's this fear associated with bad credit. And it took me a few weeks before I came to the conclusion, credit's not real. It's, it's, it's doesn't actually exist. You only need credit if you're trying to borrow money mm -hmm. that you don't have. So if you just, pay for everything with cash, you're perfectly fine. And guess what? I paid for everything with cash for over 10 years. And after 10 years, all of a sudden, I start getting all these applications for credit cards and loans and stuff. And I'm like, what is happening? Uh, the, the foreclosures fell out. All the bad credit had just, time had just washed it away. And now my credit score is like, 760 or something like it's it's decent you know and i didn't do anything i really didn't do anything i just waited you know and this imaginary thing came back so basically um the the point of me going off on this tangent is sometimes when you don't complete things it gives you an unexpected benefit i guess that's where i'm trying to go sort of slyly in my personal history uh, but getting on to projects and completing things. I feel like most things I don't actually complete. I just stop at a point. And what I mean is pretty much everybody who listens to this podcast has seen the, the abstract art drill press that I made 
for the universal woodworker, for James. And that looks complete. It, it, is, it is finished, and he has it, and he is using it. But there was a point when I'm doing it, and I'm like, okay, I have to stop. Like, I could have just continued putting more things on it. There was still space for more things. You wouldn't have seen those things, but I could have kept going. And part of me was like, just stop, okay? Just, it's good, it's, it's fine. Everybody's going to like it the way that it is. Just stop. And I feel like that about a lot of things that I do. Like, I do enough for it to look good, and then I stop. But I don't ever feel like it's really complete. I feel like I just picked a point, you know? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to take away and kind of unpack from what you've said that is, is really prevalent in the maker community. And with the first portion you were talking about, your so-called failures is that a lot of external expectations, just in general, just running into them and realizing the world doesn't end, whether that's credit things or expectations of your parents, what they wanted you to do or college, that, you know, the actual experience of living through that so-called failure and realizing that on the other side of that doesn't look all that different you know, I mean, there are failures that are catastrophic, but most things that we build up in our minds as failures are far from failure, um, especially if they're other people's expectations. And that applies even like at the project level. I find myself sometimes putting off a particular project because of a fear of, of it not working out. And then at some point I, I say, what if it doesn't? Is it, it's going to cost me $40 in material if it totally bombs. That's like a couple nice meals out with a friend or something. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my risk. And at some point, you just recognize that and go, that's, that's what's on the other side of failure. You know, and it's like, that's, that's not much failure. That's like, I went to eat at a place that wasn't that great, and I spent 20 bucks. <laughs> or so, you know... <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. Once you look at right. it that way and you go, yeah. oh, you know, this is, this is like, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to take away, you know, even if it, if it doesn't work at all, I'm going to take away that I can't do it or that I don't have the right tools. I'm going to learn something. It's going to cost me 20 <laughs> bucks. And once you get your mind into that, that set, then you begin. And quite often, at least, you know, for me, it works out just fine. It's just changing your frame of mind. That's a good way to rationalize. I like it. Like when something like that happens, just like go eat peanut butter and jelly for your next meal and you're, and you're good. Yeah, no. And I, and I will literally do that. I mean, I, I'll kind of equate it to that. I'll be like, okay, so I can have that, that nicer tool I want, or I can try this thing I've been wanting to try and it'll be really cool if it works out. And if it doesn't, then that's like $50 of my budget that I'll have to save up or, you know, or spend some other way, mm-hmm. but it's just a, it's just a learning budget. It's just an educational budget. It totally is. I've done that a bunch. Uh, do you remember the panoramic dental x-ray machine that I bought yeah. for 40 bucks? Yeah. 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 I did it. I did it cause it was 40 bucks and for $40, I'm going to take that thing apart and just see what's what. And that's really all I got out of it. Uh, the hydraulics pump is actually laying next to me on the floor. I don't think I'm ever going to use it for anything. I really don't. Yeah. I just, I'm kind of clinging to it still. 
for like that maybe moment, but uh, I, I don't mind spending that money. It's an education. A bigger education is the tractor I bought for, I think, 1300 bucks. that I am determined to get it fully functional, but I know I can sell it. I know I can sell it as is for close to what I paid, maybe maybe what I paid. And then but I've already gotten an education on what to look for in the next one. Yeah, exactly. And I and I feel like I'm kind of in the business of of troubleshooting, repairing things, you know, designing and building things for people. And so it's kind of a business expense to have taken something apart or to have tried something to know how it works, if it works. You know, much like you hear Jimmy talk about buying something because it's going to look really cool in a video. Right. If nothing else, it's going to look really cool in a video. And that's his business. And so I kind of treat it the same way. It's like, I'm going to learn something that's going to, that someone is going to pay me a hundred bucks to solve for them a month from now from doing this $50 experiment. Yeah. I, I just, while you were talking just now, I Googled my local community college and in state average cost per credit is $166. So a $40 wasted x-ray machine or, you know, the things you're talking about, it's totally worth the money versus taking a class. And there's value there too. Don't, that's not my message, but no, I've bought, I've even purchased large pieces of an equipment and, and treated it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I were to go through our local community college, um, machining program, and pay for it with loans, it would cost me way more than my CNC machine. Mm-hmm. And I can just sit in front of my CNC machine and read and try stuff and learn at my leisure for as long as I own the machine and have full use of the machine. Granted, I'll miss out on some, some things. There'll be some gaps in my, in my education. But I would happily trade that for spending that same money on kind of rolling the dice on, on getting a really good education from a, from a program right. over a long right. period of time. So there's a well-known quote, which I'm going to butcher. Most successful people are only applauded for what they're known for, but you don't see the hundreds of times that they failed. They failed a lot before they got to that point where you now see them as a success. So mm-hmm. you learn a lot when you fail, or you can. You can learn a lot when you fail. Some people don't. Some people fail, and it, 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 they can't recover, and it destroys them. You know, But most people learn from their mistakes, and they get better. Right. Yeah, you fail forward. Right. It's kind of like you work hard for 20 years to become an overnight success. Yes. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, look at all the, you know, the billionaires in the world today and stuff that were at the very edge of, of their, you know, risk. And for every one of them that succeeds, there are hundreds of thousands who just don't have that stroke of luck or that investor come in at the right time or whatever. And so I I believe that the cognitive bias is called survivor's bias. I mean, we look at the people who averted that risk narrowly and think they did something special and start, you know, putting ketchup on our eggs because they do. When the reality is we see them historically after as the one that succeeded when everybody else, you know, the other hundred people in that exact same situation failed. But we think they've done something special and they just quite often were in the right place at the right time. 
Mr. Sucky Darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial interludes and stuff. Hello, this is Chet down at Johnson's Hardware. Do you have trouble completing your projects? Do you have things just piling up on your workbench and you're not sure what to do? Well, here at Johnson's Hardware, we're hard at work to help you solve your problems. Introducing Sister Callie's Completion Container. That's right. If you've got too many things to complete, all you have to do is take a couple of them, shove them right in the container, and that will take care of it in just a day. All you have to do is put the completion container outside, come back the next day, and someone will have picked up all your projects that need to be completed completed and will complete them for you. Sister Callie's completion container comes in multiple sizes from 12 gallon, 20 gallon, 32 gallon to 55 gallon. Sister Callie's completion container is OSHA compliant and comes in multiple colors. If you would like to purchase your completion container for $19.95 all the way up to $59.95, you can contact us at patreon.com forward slash makerskills. 12 gallon, 20 gallon, 32 gallon liners sold separately. Well, Dag Nabbit, I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. Okay, it's time for crossbreeding. Tom, what skill goes well with completing? Starting. Yep, okay. Tanda, what skill goes well with completing? Oh, man, I would have to say procrastination. Ooh, that's a good one. Can I change mine? I, 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 I'm going to take it just because Tom didn't, because he's always saying that... Uh, you know, the best way to, to complete project, uh, project B is to set project A in front of it and give it a higher priority. And, and if, you have, if you have a do or die project A, so true. then you'll finish project B while you're procrastinating. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to agree. I got to agree. I'm going to go with list making. Yeah. Having a list helps to complete things. Well, th- that's, that's not bad. Tom, side, sidebar, Tom. Is that a skill, though? Yeah. Thank God. I was about to sidebar you. PJ, PJ's gone realistic on us. I mean, like making a list. That, that's, that's like a valid skill for completing things. I, yeah. You know what, though? He's in a pretty cranky mood. Yeah. That's not fun. That's not funny at all. Yeah, he's been, he's been cranky for days. I, I didn't want to bring this up, but he did mention, since he said it, since he brought it up, he said he was a little blurry. And I've been noticing that. I mean, live... At the slip and slide, was he also a little blurry? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Out, more out of focus yeah, than blurry. Yeah. Just like thing. when you look at him, he's kind of fuzzy. Yeah. 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 It feels fuzzy okay. too. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that that you uh, that that you agreed, and and it wasn't just me. I thought maybe I need to check Wait, check my eyes. All right, or but something. are we are we gonna are we letting lists making slide, or are we gonna make him pick something else? Uh, I think it's fine. I don't know if he has a backup plan. But uh, oh, definitely not. Can we do that nope. though? I mean, for future reference, I mean, can can we call him on his picks? We can, but he usually just edits it out. I mean, we've done it before, like five times, and uh, that, when I listen to the show, it's just it's not even there. Never there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We, I don't. He even he even makes me say things that I didn't ever say. I don't. Like he's got some deep fake thing. Yeah. Creator oh yeah, like that episode I that I wasn't even on, but I was on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. How did he do that? I don't know. He just takes sound bites from here and there. And, and you, I did a sidebar with you in that episode and you weren't even there. Yeah. Oh, there, there he is. He's, so he's fuzzing, oh, he's fuzzing back. back into view. All right, guys. Uh, oh, wow. Look at, I think I need a haircut. Look at a little fuzzy. All right. Yeah. So list making is, 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 uh, that's my answer. We're, we're going to go with that. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. 
good evening. This is Walter Walterson. It's time for the freaking fireside filibuster. So, of course, we're not going to make it throughout the entire episode without talking about Tony's slip and slide party because it's totally awesome. And we've got to make Tanda jealous enough that she actually makes the journey next year. It's got to happen, right? Maybe I just rent a motorhome and I just like head off that direction a couple days before. There was people that brought trailers. There was a there was a at least one pop up trailer. I think there was more RVs and stuff two years ago. Is, is there a door prize for who drove the farthest? I think you mm. get a bigger hug from yes. Tony. Yes, there is. And next year, well, I can't tell you what it's going to be, but you might win it. Oh, that's right. There is a door <laughs> prize. Yeah, I forgot about that. I wasn't even thinking. Yeah, Tom's totally right. There yeah, is a Tom, door Tom's prize. Tom's going to have to bring a door prize yep. now. Totally, totally is. Sidebar, Tom, Tom, I I totally think we need to bring like a door that's wrapped in glitter paper and give it to Tanda when she shows up. And that will be the door prize. (laughs) I think it's a good idea. But like a tiny door. I don't want to put that thing in my van. Like like a doggy door. Oh, that's a good idea. Doggy door. I'll get one on Amazon. She's she's got a dog. I mean, it's totally usable. All right, so Tanda, yeah, um, you totally need to get an RV and, and, and drive it up there. That would be really awesome. So I know um, Julian, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast, he drove up from Texas two years ago. Uh, now I think he lives in like Washington or Delaware or somewhere. He's closer, but he drove his Dodge Ram from, was it Dodge Ram? Might have been a Jeep. But anyway, he made the drive, so you could definitely do it. It's not, it's not mm. you're a little further. Yeah, no, I mean, it wouldn't be, it'd be... I mean, it'd be insane to do in one leg, but in a couple legs, it'd be reasonable. Well, Ben drove from Kansas City, Missouri, and that was, you know, I don't know, like 1,500 miles for him. Like, it was far. And he brought his wife and his two kids. So that that alone is like a testament to his willpower. You can drive that far with a whole family of people. Yeah, but he had, he probably listened to some podcasts and, you know, they were they had a good time, I'm sure. That's very possible. Tom, what was your favorite part of the slip and slide party? Uh, you know what? It's always, with any of those events, it's it's when it kind of just slows down and a group of people just start chatting and we just kind of talk for hours in a circle. Like, that's that's the most fun. Tom's, Tom's beating around the bush. What he's trying to say is... Um, he became like the chess grandmaster uh, late late at night. <laughs> he challenged me to a game of chess, and we had a crowd of people around us, and um, there was there was several chess games. <laughs> Julian, happening. it was Julian that was cheering, right? Julian Julian kept walking over, and every time somebody would make a move, he would just start yelling things. He's like, "Oh, you messed up now, oh, man! You messed snap. up now!" <laughs> And then he would just, he would just, he's just, no joke, no joke. It's just the, a chess heckler. Yeah. We're like, they have a bonfire going and we're like off under a tent, just the two of us. And like, I think Jackman was watching us and Julian's there and he's making so much freaking noise that in within an hour, everyone is like circled around the chess table and nobody's by the bonfire. Yeah, I think um, Jimmy was there. Tony was there. Um, 
it was, I think Sterling might have been sitting oh. over there. We've got a picture. We've got a picture yeah. of it. Everybody, there was there was like oh, yeah. there was a there was like a half moon of people sitting behind Tom's chair, all like having a whole <laughs> separate conversation, and then like checking in with the chess. I think I'm almost yes. positive uh, Jimmy got some B-roll on one of his cameras of the chess game, so that's going to end yes, up in like a vlog did. or something. We'll see. But yeah, Jimmy Jimmy DeResta showed up. Uh, I want to say around five ish, maybe, maybe six. Um, he mm. he brought he welded up this really awesome we make fire pit and just backed the truck off and dropped it off and then that's the pit that everybody you know got going when it got cold and dark. But yeah, Jimmy hung out with us for a little while, so that was nice. I didn't know he was coming. Tom had a little bit of an inside line. Because I said, I said, do you think Jimmy's going to show up? He said, he has to show up. He's got to drop something off. So <laughs> that was that was kind of nice. Um, so I I I was a little surprised. So I I met Jimmy a couple years back when he had the canoe at the Filson shop in New York. I took my dad and we went to go meet him in person. And that was the only time I'd physically met Jimmy, but I've I've sent him messages over Instagram for for you know for years, you know. But you know, it's like Instagram, and Jimmy knows like thousands of people, right? And so that he he dropped off the the fire pit, and then he's starting to talk to everybody, and he looks in my direction, and then all of a sudden, giant smile, and throws me the horns, like the rock and roll horns, you know, like when you're at a rock band, <laughs> and I, I'm like, so of course I did it back. I'm like, hey man, and I don't I don't know where that came from, but like he recognized me, and I was I was like, wow, he he remembers who I am, and then he came over and started talking. He's like, oh PJ, I didn't know you were going to be here, and I'm like, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> that, that sounds that sounds very much like when I met Jenny, Jimmy and and he was like, "Oh, you're the one that has the uh, the yellow eye make plate." And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> I, I it was it was it was un, it was unexpected and so uh, it kind of caught me off guard that he he knew anything about me. He's the master at that. It's incredible. I just don't know how he remembers so many people. And like watches so many people and just knows what's going on all the time. It's incredible. I mean, he said it before. He's like, you have to become friends with your audience. But I just don't, I don't know how he finds the time to invest that much energy into remembering everything. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's probably a natural skill set for him, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I even mentioned it here on the podcast, but several months ago, uh, Aaron was there with him. Aaron Mattia, his 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 assistant that works with him in the shop, mm-hmm. he had reached out to me on Clubhouse because they had a Walker Turner drill press that the motor had died, and he's like, "Hey, do you have a motor that would work with this drill press?" And I said, "Probably," and he said, "Well, can you check? I'll buy it off you." So I found one that I had, and it, I threw him a number. He's like, "Sure, cool. Let me know what the shipping is," and then I shipped it to them. And I, I'm pretty sure that this was like right around when the TV show was starting or had just started. So the motor sat around for a while because Aaron had mentioned it to me in the months. He's like, I haven't had time to mount it. But I'd only talked to Aaron. I had not talked to Jimmy about this. And Jimmy mentioned, like he, 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 we're talking and he goes, oh, hey, man, thank you so much for sending that motor for the Walker Turner drill press. I wasn't even aware he knew that it came from me. So like that was that mm. was something, uh, but then, so then the other 
The other funny thing that happened, there was a point where like, so Jimmy gets there, everybody sort of swarms around him. And then there's a point where it sort of peters out. And I saw Jimmy just standing like by himself and he was doing something on his phone. And the little 10 inch Delta that I talked about last week, Tony bought that from me. Like I put up a post in the slip and slide group and Tony's like, I want it. So I sold it to him. I see, and I I put it into his shop. It's so it's you know it's in the workshop, and so I see Jimmy standing there, and I walk up to him. I'm like, "Hey, Jimmy, do you want to see something really cute?" And he says, "What?" And I pull him in, and I show him like I just sold this to Tony. He says, "Get the out of here." He says, "I didn't know this existed." I'm like, "Yeah, neither did I until I showed up to buy it." <laughs> and so we're both like <laughs> ogling this this really adorable. 10 inch delta which looks just like a 14 inch and then hours later like four five six hours later jimmy's getting ready to leave and he's like saying goodbye to everybody he goes hey pj if you find another one of those 10 inch deltas i'll buy it off you (laughs) so i'm like okay yeah i'll find another unicorn for you jimmy sure no problem (laughs) i'll probably never see another one again but yeah, I, I'll I'll be on the lookout. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy needs a bandsaw he can take on a plane just for for events and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Small pocket size. Yeah, pocket bandsaw. Pocket size. Yeah, I just looked it up on Google. I I don't know why I don't go to these things. It, I could even walk there according to Google. It would just take me uh, twenty eight days. <laughs> so if you're if you're walking uh, slow, yeah. Well, if I hustled, if I hustled, yeah. Now if I drive, it's thirty one hours. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll have a go at it. I, th- I think I'm going to go to the event in October to the Catskill Maker Camp. I'm going to try and do that, but I'll likely fly. I heard that uh, Laura Kampf is coming from Germany for that. Yeah, I think she tries to tries to go, and and at least the last couple years, right? The the guys from the blacksmith shop have come, and so that's that's cool. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going up. Um, there's there's a very slim possibility that I will be going, but. That's yet to be determined. Getting back to the slip and slide, I created my signature move going down the slide this year. Everybody always does like these little spins and flips and poses. And there was a Spencer like went down drinking a beer and it was all kinds of stuff. I took my phone and I went down the slide recording the entire way. So I went with the camera facing forward and then I went back up and I had it on me facing my face going down the slide. So you have like the full 3D version. If you didn't go down the slide, you could see like me going down the slide. So it was. And this is on Instagram or? I put it on Facebook. I have not put it up on Instagram yet because I've trying to been staggering like all the things I'm posting. Right. But I'm also trying to decide, do I want to take the time to actually edit together the two videos so that it looks like one video so that you can see like me, it's looking at me and then it looks out over the view and then it starts going down then it flips back to me and then it flips back to the, I don't know if I want to do that. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. just post it the way I shot it, but it'll get up. It'll be on Instagram within the next few days for cool. sure. I can see that escalating. You know, next year you'll have like a bracket with 18 GoPros on it. and. <laughs> Well, Joe Crawford was there with a brand new uh, DJI drone, mm-hmm. and his drone got a lot of shots. Like he was following people going down the slide and everything. And oh, very cool! One of the little foldable 
DJI drones? Yeah, but it's like the brand new one and it is mm-hmm. super smooth. Like I've I've I haven't like for a little drone like that, I haven't seen footage this smooth uh, and basically it's like a film level drone. It's a, it's a cinema quality drone at this point. And he he played he paid it a big chunk of change for it. He told me, and I'm like, oh, that's that's out of my price range. It's not gonna happen. They're very cool though. Yes, is is very very cool. It it was a there's videos of that up on Facebook also. I don't know if it's on Instagram, but there was a pig roast. We had a pig roast there. That was the first pig roast I'd ever been to. That was a lot of fun, and I I could say so. Everybody was what the pig was cooking all day. So everybody kept going and checking, like, is it done? You know, we had a pig guy that was there to take care of the pig. When they finally got it out of the, the cooker and they're, like, slicing it up and everything, every everybody was, like, crowded around. Like, they're like, can I get a piece? And they're like, you got to wait. You got to wait. But then every once in a while, one of the guys that was cutting would, like, slip you a little piece. Like, here, you want some? Guy's <laughs> a pig. So the thing that I will say is, first off, roast pig is is really good. It's not like any other pig I've had before, any other ham or whatever. I got the piece that was like fresh cut, and it was super juicy, and it was really, really tasty. And then later, they had the tray out for everybody to take from. And so I took, that was like the bulk of my dinner, was I took as much pork as I could. And eating it like that, it was not like as good as it was fresh off the pig. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the flavor was there, but it didn't have like, it wasn't hot, like, re- you know, like really hot. And it wasn't as juicy, like it had started to cool down. And I was like, man, I wish I could have just eaten it like right off the pig. That would have been like the way to do it. <laughs> just you know? chase, just chase the pig down and yeah, 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 you know, just like slow down, Porky. There's another good reason to have a backhoe. <laughs> have a backhoe because we used to we used to just dig a pit and throw a bunch of wood in the pit, burn it down to coals, and then then wrap wrap the pig, put it in, and bury it. Come back, Ooh. come back, like eight, 10 hours later. Isn't that, um, there's a culture of people that do that. Like that's how they cook all their food. It's, uh, I think it's Hawaii. Yeah. We, we call our, we call ourselves New Mexicans. We live here in New Mexico and we, we <laughs> own backhoes and raise pigs. And is, is that, did that originate in, in, in New Mexico? Cause I know it came from somewhere. I no, probably not, but I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly a, you know, a longstanding cultural tradition and probably, comes to us from some some Hispanic or South American tradition, at least the version of it here. I, I think it's ancient. I think that's what I heard. It is some South American people that like that's how they cook whenever they have big family get togethers. Mm-hmm. They just do they they bury it. Just like you said, they put the coals in, they bury it. Yeah. I've never had it like that before. I don't know, um I, I imagine it probably does change some of the flavor or something like that. But that sounds cool too. Future future thing to do. What about you, Tom? What else is what else sticks in your mind? No, for, I mean for me, it's the relationships. Like that's that's just how my brain works. Like it's just so good to see those people, like-minded people, and talk about and um, that's that's why I go to any of these things. Like even like Maker Fair. Like yeah, it's cool to see the stuff a little bit, but really, I just want to like talk to people that get it. You know. I hadn't seen Paul Jackman and his wife Kristen 
since Maker Fair in 2018. Yeah. And and so I, I was I was like, man, I haven't seen you in like over three years. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, you were there. Yeah. And so we're we're talking about it because he he was handing out stickers and his stickers were were like I don't know maybe like two inches. And I, I dug into them I'm like, man, what's with these little tiny stickers? You had Jackman-sized stickers <laughs> at the Maker Fair. I've got a four-inch sticker that I peeled off your backpack. And he goes, oh, yeah, I completely forgot that I did that. And so, uh, you know, there was there was a lot of that, like, back and forth like that. You know, um, there was there was a lot of people there. Well, I've, I mean, in general, in general, I mean, I've been, you know, kind of followed, you know, Paul's videos. And, and he's he's smaller. He's smaller than he used to be. You see him in his videos now, and he's he's often tiny. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think his whole world has probably shrunk along with the stickers. He he's been in the tub too long. He did shrink a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There was other people there that was, you know, like we got Tom and I got to meet Seth. I don't know. Had you met Seth before, Tom? Oh oh yeah. Seth and I have been friends for like three years at least. Uh no, three years exactly. We met three years ago at Tony's, and we talked. A lot. I talk. Seth is like one of the guys I talk to very often, like weekly at least. So I don't know if was he there two years ago. I don't remember meeting yes. him. I don't remember meeting him two he years was. ago. Well, I had pointed you out to him and told him about you, and he decided to just avoid you. But oh, I don't know. I don't think he wanted me to tell you that though. Oh, just delete it from edit this part out. And you'll never know, and he'll never know. I'll, I'll edit Thanks. out my my inside crying also, so nobody hears that. <clears throat> the complete opposite happened, though. Um, do you 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 knew uh, Jeremy? Uh, he was there with his girlfriend Jessica. Uh huh. He's got I can't remember the name of his YouTube his Instagram, but he's got like the little devil uh, symbol on his uh, icon. Hmm. So Jeremy comes up to me, and I, of course I recognize him. I'd hung out with him two years ago, and his girlfriend is like all smiles. And and I'm like, what's what's happening here? And she's like, oh, he would not shut up about coming to this event for like two years. He's been talking about coming to the slip and slide. And I'm like, really? What 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 was the conversation? And she's like, you. He just wouldn't stop talking about you. And I'm like, me? What did I do? I had no idea. Like I don't remember. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah, I mean, like I remember talking to him, but I don't remember doing anything else. And 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 he was like, oh, dude, you you just made it like a really fun time. And I'm like, oh well. Well, thank you. I, I, I don't like. So that's like the uh, that's the extremes. Like Seth was running away from me, and Jeremy was like, "Oh, this is the best guy ever." So you know, it just it takes all kinds. Yeah, well, yeah, a little disappointed in that because uh, that's certainly not what we paid him to do. He was he was supposed to knock you off, but yeah, <laughs> turned out that yeah, that's why we sent him there. The 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 guy that threw me off was Andrew Setters. Okay, so I've known Andrew on Instagram for years. But I've never met him in person. So Andrew shows up with this heavy beard. Like he looks like Blackbeard the Pirate. And if you if you've never <laughs> sounds like him too. Yeah, yeah. If you've never met him before, he's <laughs> he's very quiet and when he talks, he talks like this. Yeah. And and so he's got a real deep voice and he doesn't say a lot, but he's got this super dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Like he's totally deadpan, everything he says. And he doesn't introduce himself. He just shows up and he's like lurking like over my shoulder and I'm just like, I'm just kind of like inching away from him and he just keeps getting closer. And I'm like, what is happening here? And he, he, he was there for a while. And so I pulled Tom to the side and I'm like, Tom, Tom, is that, is that Andrew? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, dude, he's just, he's just lurking around me. He's not talking. It's freaking me out. 
And so then, so then when Tom confirmed who it was, I pulled Tom over. I'm like, dude, Andrew, why haven't you said anything, man? You're freaking me out. <laughs> he just started laughing. <laughs> so yeah, it was, there was, there was a whole bunch of stuff like that where people are just like hanging out and just like listening to other people talk. It's, hmm. it's amazing how quickly you can kind of become addicted to that. Because I haven't been like, you know, my first maker event was just a couple years ago, but I've really missed just hanging out, just doing the hangout thing and talking to Mm -hmm. people that I interact with online, but don't get the chance to just, you know, share a meal with or a beer and just sit and talk and, and, you know, just that rapid back and forth of a personal conversation that you don't get in social media. Well, the slip and slide two years ago was... Other than that and the Maker Fair the year before, I haven't done any Maker Hangouts. I haven't gone to any of them. Like I'm, I'm very limited on resources. By resources, I mean money. So right. it's I got to pick and choose really closely, like what I decide to spend my money on. And one of the reasons I go to Tony's is because it, th- there is no cost to go there as far as like it's not like a five hundred dollar right. ticket like going to workbench con tony is gracious enough to let people camp out there so i camped which i know tom wants to talk about my tent later so i won't bring it up <laughs> not that tent oh not that tent <laughs> okay then i'll talk about it now okay the crackhead tent <laughs> that i bought was the terrible cr- it ended the up being tent. yeah the crackhead tent okay let me tell you something it is it is tuesday and PJ is still not over it. He's still cranky about what happened with his tent. Well, when you get, when you sleep in a lake, okay. I, I no, I just have one. PJ, I have one question. I have, I have one question. It rained that night. That's not my question. It rained that night, and somehow water was able to get into your tent. Correct. Yes. Not somehow. Okay. Meaning it's not waterproof. However. However, water would not leave the tent. No. <laughs> well, that's because they waterproofed it the would, bottom. It would they just... waterproofed the the inside. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem with crackheads. They waterproofed it, it just, from the inside cool. out. Yeah. Now, maybe you black this out, but in the morning, we're, it's still raining. We're all huddled under like the tents and just kind of hanging out. And... You're you're describing how you like how to like just shift and maneuver on your air mattress to not get wet, and the little the little depressions in the air mattress were filling with water. Yes, yes. There was like small. There was like a big lake on the bottom, and then there was like little pools on the mattress. And not only that, okay. Not only was the water just passing straight through all the material, like it wasn't there. After I left and went down to hang out with you, I came back up when it stopped raining and the, t- the tent had collapsed. Like it had just like it's one of those pop up tents where there's like a it's like a it's like an umbrella with no center post. Mm-hmm. And it, it fell in on itself. Like if I was still in That's there, amazing. it would have been on top of me. Yeah. So, yeah, this is like probably one of the worst purchases i've made in years it's 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 funny it's funny how right now it's like the worst purchase in years but in a year's time it'll be like the best story ever yeah so it's kind of like we were talking about later with that investment in learning something (laughs) this that's an investment in a story that will live 
forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like five years from now, like, oh, remember that slip and slide where I was like sleeping in a lake? Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. It was terrible. This, this, the other thing I will say is it also taught me a very valuable lesson. This tent has mesh windows that can't be closed. They're, they're permanently open. There is no zipper window like on every other tent I've ever been in. There's no zipper window to close it. If I was able to close the window, that would have kept some of the water out, but it was going through the rain fly onto the mesh and then dripping into the tent. So there was, and the reason that the water stayed in the tent is because the bottom was made of vinyl, which is very good at holding water. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was a nightmare. And the, the worst thing, if there could be worse, in addition to having the water in there, everything, or let's say not everything, let's say 80% of the things in there were wet, which meant that all my clothes were wet and everything else that was in there was wet. What's well, a it's a good thing you had the sense to bring an inflatable raft to sleep on. Yeah. 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 For sure. Where's the tent now? When I got home, I put it up so that it could after I dumped the rest of the water out and the bugs and stuff, I put it out and I left it up for a day and a half to dry. And uh, I listed it on a Facebook Marketplace. And in the description it says needs waterproofing. <laughs> that that's it, you know. It's freshly freshly washed. Uh, I, I'm just going to tell whoever buys it I'm like, "Look, you need to get spray on waterproofing, you know. It's it's <laughs> otherwise you're going to get wet." You know. I'll tell them that. I'm not telling them anything else, but I'll tell them that. Yeah. So Oh my god. I I think I'm going to need to actually pay good money uh for uh, an actual tent. Instead of buying something like this, I need to get like a name brand tent. You can use bad money as long as it's money. They don't care. You, you, do you have some bad money I could use? Mm-hmm. Always, always got bad money. That was the freakiest, fire-sideriest filibuster I've ever heard. I am Walter Walterson. Good night. All right, it's time for short and sweet. Tanda, do you have anything to wrap up the show? Mm. No. Ha! She took your answer, Tom. What do you have to wrap up the show? <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. Nothing. Uh, no, I don't have anything. You should go to a maker event. When you can, where you can. Even if there isn't one, make one. Just, like, find people on the interwebs and just hang out with people that do what you do. Yeah, go out, go out there and fail at something. It'll give you something to talk about at the maker event. For sure. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to talk about something that doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but it'll mean something to you too. You guys see what I'm holding up here? These weird looking things? Mm, looks like anodized cricket bladders. Good guess. Tom, you might know what that is. Mm, yeah. Those are speakers? They are speakers. So uh, they are replacement speakers for my MacBook Pro, which has had a blown speaker for about the past, I don't know, two, three months. And it's been super annoying. So I've been having to pipe the sound in through the speakers for my desktop. And last week I was like, why am I not fixing this? I fix things every single day. Why I've taken apart laptops. So I'm like, you know what? The, the heck with this. I got on eBay. I found a place that was selling speakers. I think I got two brand new speakers for like $12. Like it was nothing. And and so yeah. now I'm going to take some time 
and change the... I don't know, nice. maybe I'll change both the speakers, because the other one could blow too. Only one of them's blown, but I have two brand new speakers. So, yeah, that's... that's you guys have known about it for a while. The audience is now well informed that I had a blown speaker. But that's that's what I'm going to do. I got that today in the mail. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time. Hey, uh, are you going to fix that? So we have a rather interesting, hey, you're going to fix that this week. It's not something that the three of us specifically need to fix. We're going to talk about future transportation. And uh, the way this came about was Tom and I are, we are beaten, okay? We are thoroughly exhausted from the driving to and from the slip and slide, even now, days later, although... You know, I had to drive more than Tom did. Actually, I, I drove... And I was drier. Tom was way drier than me. But I it was four and a half hours from where I lived to Tony's. But then when I left Tony's, I didn't go straight home. I went to Tom's, which was three hours. And then from Tom's to my house was three hours. So it was six hours. It's a lot of driving. My neck and my shoulders are still sort of bunched up from being cookered and driving and stuff. So we were we were... Both of us were basically complaining to Tanda, and Tanda's like, well, maybe they should fix this, you know, with future transportation. Like, how could they make traveling easier mm -hmm. so that, you know, you don't have, you're not as exhausted. So I watched a, a video by Veritasium, it's an older video, where he talks about aut autonomous vehicles, and he gets in an autonomous taxi and just goes over the experience. And it got me thinking... Like, these things exist. Uh, he, at that time, they had recorded over two, uh, 20 million miles between their fleet of, of vans. They have minivans that pick people up and drop them off places. Very few accidents, and the accidents have were all, like, not the car's fault. They The cars hit three pedestrians, but the pedestrians actually hit the cars while they were not even moving. Right, the, the cars were the cars were hit by pedestrians. Correct. I said it the wrong way at first, and then I went the other way. So this is like what's cool is that all of the cars then are learning together. So twenty million miles is like every car has experienced twenty million miles, right? Not just one driver. And it got me thinking. I'm like, I tell my six year old that his first car very well could be an electric vehicle. Um, you know, that's ten. 10 years minimum away, 10 to 12 years. And I'm like, dude, maybe your first car might be an autonomous vehicle. Like we're, we're really that close to it. Yeah. It's quite likely he won't, he'll, his response will be, why would I want a car? Why would I want my license? Why can't I just get in a car and, 
you know, just just call right. up an a, an Uber driverless car and have it right. have it take me where I want. Why why do what I want to drive? And, and and maybe why do you even want to go anywhere? Because everything can come to you. <laughs> but I see it. I think it's a cool. I mean, it's a freaking cool future. Like you can. I'm not even sure we're gonna own individual cars in the future. I mean, anything's possible. But like, why would you buy a car if the system is so well? so efficient where you can just order a car and you never really have to wait for one. Like even a small town like mine has like hundreds and thousands of autonomous vehicles just buzzing about. And, and the truth is like, if you go to work every day, you need your car for about an hour a day and never again. So why do we own cars 24 seven? I know that's not a perfect equation, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought that video was uh, was fairly recent, actually. Or maybe he did an update on it. Was it? But he just put a video out like three or four days ago. Like, maybe it was. Why would you Why would you want to drive a driverless, or why would you want to be in a driverless car, or whatever? But I I think that's like unavoidable because the statistics are just you know not in our favor um, as much as we would like to think we're not you know. On average, we're not great. Actually, on average, we're average, which is one of those oh, yeah. statistics that, like, some Swiss group did one of the first studies. I think it was in, in Switzerland or somewhere. Yeah. Where the psychologist asked people, Do you think you're an above average driver? And, like, 67% of people think they're above average, which. I think it was in just, the 70s. Yeah, which just doesn't work, <laughs> uh, you know. <clears throat> right. But, yeah. No, people suck. Like, what's cool is that it eliminates certain categories of accidents. And it's like things like running a red light, running a stop sign, running off the road. Like, these are, these are right. types Distractive of accidents driving. that just can't, yeah, they don't happen with autonomous vehicles. Unless they've been out drinking. The, the vehicle. I mean, if a car can drive itself, there's nothing that says it won't go down to the bar, have a few, come back, park. You don't even know it when you get in in the morning. That's true. That it just... That, that it just true. barely got home. So I, I want to say <laughs> exactly. something that I saw uh, on my travels that I hadn't seen in Pennsylvania. But in New York, they have signs all over the place. They're blue signs. And it says, text stop, rest area ahead. And I kept reading them. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why do I need to text stop to get to a rest area? And then I started, as the more I saw it, I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's a rest area for you to stop and text. It's a text stop. It's a text stop. But it didn't read that way because there was no grammar. <laughs> and I'm just like, really? Who proofed this? No, there was grammar. It's called text stop. Yeah, it wasn't. There was no period. Okay. There was, it was all like, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Right. The point is. <laughs> That they're now, the all rest areas, all of the signs for rest areas all say text stop, which in reality, yeah. in reality, what it should have said was rest area, text stop, not text stop rest area. It should, the rest area should have been on top. But the, the bottom line is distracted driving has become such a problem that they changed every single sign I saw in the state. Shouldn't it be rest area, stop, text? I mean, yeah. you, you want to yeah. text after stopping. 
Well, it should be yeah. it should be rest area period, stop comma text. That's how it should be. That's how, there was no punctuation whatsoever, and the words were in the wrong order. I mean, it's the writer in me. Well, it's, New York. it's so much angst. I, you know, I think for you know thinking about a really long drive or even a drive like you guys just took, um, that's not all the way across the country. I mean, at the point where you can get in a driverless car, or you and your family can get in like a van. And just sit around a table in the back, you know, buckled up. Yeah. And and just have like, you know, kitchen table chat, play games, watch movies, and everybody, even, you know, there's not even a person that has to do the driving duty. Right. Or or say I'm gonna go all the way to, you know, New York. Thirty one hours is a long time, but if it's just driving down the road and and I can stop every once in a while, use the bathroom, I could be building something, working on something, reading a book. I could do it in one stretch. Yeah. You, you don't even need to drive one car for 31 hours, though. You can you can order a car, you drive for five hours, you, you order the next car, and in that car, you drive for an hour, and, there's, and you get a massage. And then you get another car for an hour, and you get some other service, or you work out for an hour while you're driving. It's like, it's like a really nice, yeah, I like get like a sleeper car, and then I get like a treadmill car. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes. there you go. Yeah. That'd be a good story. I, maybe I'll Uber to the Catskill Maker Camp. Yeah. I'll take like 38 exactly. Ubers. 38 Ubers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. Can you just drive me to the edge of the state? <laughs> 38 Ubers. Name your sex tape. Yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm interested <laughs> in this, in the massage chair. Was it, was it a chair or did you actually want a person on there, Tom? No, I think there's a person that's giving you a massage. And because all vehicles in the world are autonomous, there's not going to be an accident at that point, unless it's like a deer. But we could kill all the deer, too, and that's fine. For some reason, I all of a sudden get this impression that there's going to be like all autonomous cars. One autonomous car is going to bump into another one, and then they're going to have like an argument in robot language where they're going to be honking and flashing the lights back and forth. Autonomous autonomous road rage. The, pro- the real problem with autonomous... Yeah. I think the real trouble is going to be that when autonomous cars happen, uh, millennials are still going to be putting googly eyes on everything, and their cars are going to have googly eyes, and it's going to be ridiculous. Not looking forward to it. Okay, so I saw this has nothing to do with autonomous cars, but I saw this today, and I'd never seen it before. It was a brand new, like an E-Class Mercedes, and I'm looking at it from the front as I'm driving down. And on those cars, like everything is painted except for the grill and the emblem. Well, the Mercedes grill is completely rainbow sparkles, like My Little Pony rainbow sparkles, silver with flashes of every color of the rainbow. And I'm looking at this going, someone paid for that. That's why you, that's <laughs> why people will still have their own cars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, rainbow Someone sprinkles. Someone paid for that. No, I think I think long trips that you know, and certainly in our in our lifetimes, and probably for people with money, in the next you know five or six, seven years, ten years, orbital aircraft will you know if you're going to Tokyo, you're going to an event halfway around the world. You'll you'll go orbital and then pop back through the atmosphere and land, and it'll be an hour. Instead of, you know, 17 hours to Australia or wherever. That's crazy. And so, 
I mean, That's I think crazy. I think we'll see that. Maybe not, you know, wide scale like aircraft, but it's the same. You know, I mean, people. You know, it hasn't been that long ago that people would not envision getting on an aircraft that can then fly for 16, 17 hours and you land halfway around the world. Mm -hmm. And hundreds of people do that at once. And so I think that next step is, you know, you'll you'll go into orbit. Maybe maybe as a touristy thing, you'll orbit a couple times or maybe you'll need to to change your, uh, you know, to change your orbit depending on where you're going. You know, it's not going to just be easy to go anywhere. But, yeah, I think that'll happen. So did we actually fix any problems? No. Mission accomplished. Yeah, have we ever actually fixed a problem in this segment? Um, but maybe. Maybe. I, I, I think, I think uh, no, probably not. I don't, I don't think so. Well, Shucky Darn, you did fix it. Ain't that something? 